We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, Patrick Moran here. You're going to be listening to uh, today's episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast in just a handful of seconds. I would certainly hope so. I mean, if you're listening to me right now at the top, that means you're tuning into uh, today's episode. Look, I just want to be honest with everybody ahead of time. I've said it time and time again on this podcast, how much I appreciate everyone who gives me their time to listen to the show. I know how many great shows there are out there. So when you lock into this one, I feel like I always owe it to you to be upfront and honest. And, I, and I'm doing that right now by telling you that my personal opinion, and maybe I'm hard on myself and maybe I'm my own worst critic, but I feel like this was not my best effort today. I listened back to the to the episode I just got done recording. It was a solo episode and I'm not that pleased about it. I feel like there were a couple points of the podcast where I didn't do a good enough job um, articulating uh, the points that I was trying to convey to, to you guys listening. Specifically, there's a part where I, I talk about well, two things, my father passing away and also another time where my son got injured pretty badly on a football field. And I certainly was not comparing either of those to what happened with Tamar Hamlin on Monday night. I was trying to encapsulate the fear, the, the suddenness and the fear, the crippling anxiety that goes through a parent, a person when you see something like that happen. So hopefully you understand what I was saying. But at any rate, I just want to come on here for a couple seconds real quick before you hear me babble for plenty more minutes after that. And just let you know that I do appreciate you guys. And I feel like I owe it to you, man. It's just, it feels like it wasn't my best. I, I tried hard. This has been a very draining week. I didn't know what to do uh, with the podcast. Certainly was not going to tape anything on Monday. That just felt inappropriate. Tuesday night, I attempted twice to to record something to drop on Wednesday morning. And quite frankly, and I talk about it during the episode here, I just couldn't get through it, man. It was just too emotional. Um, I lost it a couple of times and it just, I don't know, I wasn't happy with it. So I didn't do it. Got through tonight's episode. In hindsight, though, kind of wish I would have had a couple more notes and been a little bit more structured. I mean, I literally winged this episode. It's not terrible. I don't know. I mean, who comes on their own podcast and undersells the episode that the audience is about to listen to besides me. I guess I'm the only dummy who would do that. But at any rate, like I said, I just, I feel like I owe it to you to be honest. Hopefully I'm just my own worst critic and, and this episode's all right. And hopefully I can kind of at least somewhat capture how I feel about things and how I think 
you know, I, I think I speak for a lot of fans how they're feeling right now about Jamar Hamlin. This episode's almost entirely about him. It gets away from me a little bit near the end when I start discussing uh, playoff potential scenarios because the business of football is going to still happen. We don't know when, and it's not important right now, but it certainly will be at some point. So I spend just a couple of minutes talking about that. Anyway, enough here uh, of talking about an episode. Let's just get into it. Here it is. Today's episode, Talk Buffalo Podcast. Hi, everyone. How you doing? Welcome to Talk Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. I got to get rid of the intro music, man. This is not a, a typical episode, and this has not been a typical week. I don't want to celebrate an intro to, to the podcast with the fun, upbeat music that we usually have. This is not fun at all. But anyway, I do thank you very much for for tuning in today, this is going to be audio only. I'm by myself. Not going to be long at all. Have not had a podcast all week for very obvious reasons. Um, tried twice. We tried twice. Typically, we talk Buffalo podcast. The schedule is Tuesdays with Joe Yurden and Fridays with Aaron Quinn. And then I'll have a random guest to do a lot of bonus episodes on Wednesdays or, or sometimes Thursdays. Haven't had one all week, though. Um, we were supposed to originally, after the Bills-Bengals game on Monday night, the, the plan was for Joe Yerden and myself to tape late, discuss the game, talk about the Sabres, you know, the good, the good, the bad, the ugly of the game, and, uh, you know, that's what it was going to be. Obviously, the tragedy that happened in DeMar Hamlin um, changed that, and we both felt it would be widely inappropriate to try to put our thoughts into perspective that quickly. And it was just, again, it was a very nauseating feeling that we both had. So there was no way that was happening. Then on Tuesday night, after a good 24 hours of, of perspective and, and and seeing the news and, and digesting everything, uh, and I'm telling you, this, this is the truth, guys. Twice, not once, twice on Tuesday, I attempted to do a little solo podcast similar to what I'm doing now. Tried it twice. Both times, I think the first time I didn't get through five minutes. And then the second time, maybe I lasted eight, nine minutes, certainly not more than 10. And I just couldn't do it. I just could not do it. Um, the emotions of everything just took over. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Uh, tweets I see, and still now, I'm taping this very late into Wednesday night. Tweets I see and clips I see. Words from people, um, the unity to love, it just is beautiful to see. And it just breaks my heart at the same time what happened to DeMar Hamlin. Never seen anything like that in my life. None of you have seen anything like that probably in your life. I certainly hope not. So anyway, my goal today is to have a, a quick podcast. And I just want to discuss mainly my thoughts on DeMar Hamlin and not so much about what happened. We all know what happened. Just the, uh, the unbelievable, the poignant, the beautiful response from, you know, I almost said Bill's Mafia, but I'd be selling that entirely short. It is Bill's Mafia, but it's not just Bill's Mafia, man. It's fans from all over the league, fans from all over the country, people from all over the country, people who don't give a shit about football. It's heartbreaking to them. So I want to lock in on that today. Uh, 
maybe at the very end, talk just for a couple minutes about how this final week of the season may play out on the football side with the playoffs coming up. And again, let me preface this by saying this. I don't give a shit about the NFL playoffs. Most of you listening probably don't, maybe to some varying degrees, but for the most part, you don't care. And I can promise you this much right now, the Buffalo Bills themselves, they don't care. I promise you that. They will. You will. I will. But not right now. But anyway, I'm just going to hit on a couple possibilities the way I think things might play out. And that'll be it for today. I'm going to bounce. I plan on having a guest for a show tomorrow on Friday. And hopefully, well, first and foremost, hopefully we'll get a good update on Damar. That's by far and away the most important thing, of course. But hopefully that podcast will be at least a little bit more normal with a little bit of variety of talk about, you know, a handful of different things. But here's, I, I don't know why I'm laughing. It's not funny. It's all, it's just funny because it's just like, oh, I just can't catch a break with, with, with this show. Aaron Quinn, my guy from Cover One who does Fridays with me, he's got COVID and he's doing okay. I talked to him today. He's, uh, he's doing all right, but he's, under the weather, feeling kind of weak and crappy. So he's not going to be on the show this week. So I'm going to look for a guest. Got a couple people in mind. And like I said, we'll talk football and hopefully a, a couple other things. And most importantly, a, a positive update on, um, on DeMar. So again, that'll be tomorrow. Uh, circling back to this. And again, this will not be long. There's just some things I just got to, I got to talk about. I just got to get off my chest, man. And like I said, obviously, what we saw Monday is unlike anything I've ever seen in my life with football. And, you know, it's, it's funny. And I know a lot of people out there probably feel this same way. It's just weird how emotions take over your, your body. I've never, now I have covered, I haven't covered the bills in quite a while, like professionally. I'm talking about, you know, is it a credited member of the media? Um, but I, I know some players, not really well, a couple better than others, but I've never talked to Demar Hamlin in my life. I've never even met him in my life. Yet in that moment on Monday night, I felt I felt really I felt great pain and horror and sadness all at once. And I know you listening, you did as well. And it's for a lot of reasons. First of all, a lot of us have empathy towards anybody. I certainly do. And I'm an emotional guy, man. I'm not I'm not going to try. I know maybe sometimes that's not the most masculine thing to say, but I don't give a shit. That's who I am. I am an emotional person. I wear my heart on, on my sleeve. I do. I cry as shit all the time, man. I watch a stupid Hallmark movie and you might see my ass crying. I don't even, if I went to, you know, if you had a family member who died and I, and I went to the funeral, you probably would catch me getting teary eyed. Not because I knew the person, but because I'd be looking around and I'd see the pain that other people were feeling and and that would hurt me as well. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is when something terrible happens to someone, whether it's somebody who's, who's very close to you, a family member, a loved one, or, you know, whether it's somebody that you only know a little bit casually an acquaintance, doesn't have to be a close friend, just be an acquaintance or, or in some cases, even a perfect stranger, man, we, we tend to put in our minds. And I know I did this on Monday. You put in your mind and you find something comparable that involves yourself. Something happens to someone else. You always relate it to something 
that happened in your life to some extent, to some degree. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just human nature, man. You know, we take things in life that happen to other people and you kind of relate it to yourself. And for me personally, I'm going to tell you right now, sitting there shocked, just like all you, I watched the game with my wife, my son, just the three of us, didn't go out, had a nice quiet night and we're superstitious and that's worked lately. I think the Bills have won six or seven straight games and for all of them, it's just been the three of us on the couch and nobody else. So we're sitting there watching what happened. And uh, I mean, it, I'm not going to describe it. It's indescribable. Plus you've all seen it by now. So I'm just going to say this. It, uh, it brought back for me to, as, as it was soaking in, you know, like I said, first you're sitting there shocked, you're dumbfounded. You, you can't even literally, you can't even think. But then you're, you you know, at some point you do. And like I said, you, you find a way sometimes to see something and, and, and figure out how it relates to you in your life. And for me personally, man, this brought back two very painful memories of my life. And, uh, you know, maybe at least in some very small part, maybe that's why it feels like this is hitting me harder right now than maybe somebody else out there. Um, you know, briefly, I'm just going to tell you what I'm talking about here. You know, I I take my dad. Okay. And my father's been gone for a a long time. He died when I was young and through the years, it, it doesn't get any easier. It's when you lose somebody close to you, it consumes you less as time goes on. You don't get over it. You never get over it. But through the years, it just, it consumes your mind less. You move on. You live your life. And almost everybody has lost somebody who's near and dear to them. And they can certainly attest to what I'm talking about. Over time, it just kind of, the pain kind of fades a little bit. Like I said, you, you got so many other new chapters in your life that it kind of gets lost in the shelf a little bit. And that pain fades a little bit. But then something comes up and it reminds you and it hits you like a ton of bricks. And that's kind of at some point on Monday night, not when it first happened, but later in the night when I'm sitting there alone in my thoughts, it hit me like a, a ton of bricks. And so we're clear here. The situations could not be any different. Demar Hamlin is a 24 year old young man, a finely tuned athletic machine, a professional football player. And my dad was a a 41-year-old, out-of-shape dude who drank too much beer and and smoked way too many cigarettes, all right? So I'm not comparing. DeMar was a heart attack caused by a physical blow, you know? My dad had a brain aneurysm. I'm not comparing that in any way, shape, or form. That's not my point, though. What I'm talking about is suddenness. The shock, the awe of it all, something... That literally, you know, comes out of nowhere and uh, it hurt. I mean, it hurt everyone. I, we've seen Josh Allen and Saran Neal, just the utter shock. I can't believe this is happening. That kind of look. Tears are in their face, of course, but just also fear in their faces. They were scared. Josh Allen's got his hands over his head. You could just see the fear in him. And it just triggered me instantly, man. It really did. I found, and again, I'm going back, I think I was 19 years old. My dad was 
41 years old, okay? And uh, I found my dad. I went out with uh, my girlfriend at the time. We stopped at a friend's house, came back home, and everything was fine. I lived with my father, by the way. My parents had gotten separated maybe a year or so before that, and I lived with my dad. Anyway, we go out for a little bit, and I come back home, and uh, I, I see my dad on the couch, and he is gasping for air. He can't breathe. And within seconds, I knew something w- was terribly wrong. Calling ambulance, shaking. I'm in fear. Kind of like I said, you know, I look at those images of Josh and, and Saran and some of these guys, and it's just fear takes over. And, uh, you know, what, what felt like a, a handful of seconds, the, you know, the ambulance come, calling the ambulance, the ambulance coming, administering CPR there, um, getting in the ambulance, going to the hospital. Before you know it, Within an hour, I, I got a priest coming up to me talking about last rites, you know, and stuff like that. I really don't want to get into. But my point is this, folks. It's just everything is fine. And then in an instant, and literally in a blink of an eye, that all changes. The fear, it just, it consumes you. And I see what happened to DeMar and I see the fear, you know, and, and, and not just the pain. I'm, of course, the pain too, but I, I see fear in the eyes of his teammates, his brothers, man. And it just, man, it brought me back to a place that I hate going back to, you know? And, and, and that's kind of my point. Like I said, fades with time when you lose somebody, a loved one, but something comes up and it could, it could just trigger it. So I spent a lot of Monday night and in the Tuesday thinking about that and kind of reliving stuff and just how, and, and, and it reminds me just how quickly Life could change in the blink of an eye, literally. One second, somebody is perfectly fine. And in the next second, in the case of my father, he was gone. Now, thank the Lord, as we're taping this, uh, DeMar's still here. And more on that in a few minutes, of course. But it's just, it's the the fear, the anxiety, the, the shock, the awe. That that was terrible, man. And, and I'll tell you, the other thing that made me feel... Uh, um something I felt like I related to and connected to immediately was thinking of uh, DeMar's parents, especially his, his daughter, or I mean, his daughter, his mother, uh, Nina. And again, I'm going to tell a quick story here, but I need to preface this. What I'm about to describe isn't even in the universe. It's not even the stratosphere of being comparable in terms of injury, in terms of urgency, life or death. All right. I want to be really clear about that. Not a comparison at all. So. Please be careful with how you consume that, okay? And what, but what I'm saying is this: in an instant, in an instance, I I felt a sense of helplessness and, and was just crippled with, with fear, even if it only lasted a few minutes. And this is something that that Nina and Demar's family went through then, and they're still going through right now. And for me. Seeing and, and once, you know, you get over to not even get over the shock, but DeMar's been laying on the ground, the CPR is coming and you hear about his mom being in the stands. And I said, oh my God, it's, I think back to my, my son in high school, we, we went to Florida in part so he could play high school football down in Florida and his junior year opening week, he got his first varsity start. Um, early second quarter, I, I mean, I'm not going to paint too many details here, but I, I will, I, this is part of the story. 
sometime in the second quarter, before half, um, his team punted, and, and he was also uh, on the punt. He was covering a punt, and one of his own teammates inadvertently got him with uh, their knee. Their knee struck my son's head and literally knocked him out cold, unconscious. You know, hold on. L- let me paint more context of the story, too. So my wife, my son, and I lived in Florida. My daughter, who was older, stayed in Buffalo. She was uh, finishing up high school. She didn't want to move to Florida. She lived with her mom. She was down with her boyfriend, came to Florida that week, and was the first time and the only time she ever watched her brother play a game live in the stands for the whole four years he played in Florida. Now, all the games were televised on YouTube, so family back home in Buffalo would get to watch the games. But anyway, she's in the stands. So it's, it's my, my wife, myself, my daughter, and my daughter's boyfriend who, who came down for the trip with her. Um, she gets knocked out, literally unconscious, on the field. You know, you, you don't, you don't, I didn't see the play. I didn't see him get knocked out, but he did. And, you know, you see someone injured. I didn't even know it was him at first. And, and then you realize it's their kid. I realized it was my kid in this case. And I just started getting reminded of some things, thinking with, back with what uh, happened to Damar on Monday. And by that, what I mean is this. First of all, the crowd, and again, not 60,000 that were at the Cincinnati Stadium. I'm talking about a couple thousand at the stadium at Braden River High School. Complete silence. Eerily silent. It gets to be five, six minutes. Has not moved. Uh, you see an ambulance start to pull into the parking lot. And then an administrator from the school who knew my wife and I came up to the stands where, where we were and said, you know, come down on the field. So we go, as well as my daughter, and I'll just never forget how scared I was. Shaken. Didn't know the extent of, of how bad his injury was, but he wasn't moving. And an ambulance was there. He got put on a stretcher and taken out. Now, he was, thank the Lord, okay. You know, he, by the time he was getting in the ambulance, it almost became more um, precautionary. He was able to start moving his limbs. It ended up being a, a neck injury and a, and a concussion, okay? Again, I am not comparing the extent of the injuries. What I am telling you is that that was probably the most paralyzing, crippling fear for those five to 10 minutes between getting to the stands and getting on the field and, uh, you know, him not moving for even a couple of minutes. It was just a horrifying experience that I never wanted to experience again. And again, that is on a realm. I knew within two, three minutes, my son was, you know, his life wasn't in danger. And I even knew that shortly thereafter that he wasn't going to, you know, being paralyzed or any of that stuff wasn't, uh, he wasn't in danger of that either. It was just hurt. But the fear and not knowing walking from the stands to the opposite side of the football field, because it happened on the other, other side of the football field from where we sat, it was a fear that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. And I truly mean that. So God, man, given give everything that Nina and I know his uncle's up there and his father, I just, he's got a little kid brother who's just seven years old watching on TV crying. I just, the fear in his family it's just something that, God, I mean, I, you, you don't wish that on your worst enemy. So anyway, what I'm getting at is, is seeing that for me personally, reminding me of losing my dad and being scared to death when my son got seriously injured in a football game. I'm sure most of you listening, maybe some of you didn't think about it, but if you did, I'm sure you were able to 
Think of some kind of life event that had you horrified, you know, that was devastating to you. Um, you know, as, as I tape this around, I don't know, it's close to midnight now. I wanted to tape this as late as possible just to lessen the chance of, of missing some kind of update on Demar. So anyway, it, it was just, it was scary and it was horrifying. Uh, there's no real good way to take a, a quick break, but I do need to take one. I want to come back and I just... I want to talk about some gratitude. I want to throw out there some tips of, of the cap to some people I thought have done outstanding jobs. One guy, especially in particular. In fact, I got a clip for him that I need to play. But uh, anyway, let's just take a real quick break. And when we come back on the other side, I'll, uh, I'll play that for you. Here we go. Sports fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days, I'm here to tell you about Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than OddsTrader. Why is OddsTrader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most if you're going to go with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign-up codes and promos from the sports books to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, the Odds Trader app gives you the player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a bet tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, OddsTrader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to OddsTrader.com slash BlueWire. Again, that's OddsTrader.com slash BlueWire. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back. I just want to throw out a, a little bit of gratitude as well to some people who just did such a great job covering this and I tell you I mean I already know and respect how, how talented these people are but you want to talk about being put in an impossible situation so I'm sitting here 48 full hours later I've had two days to collect my thoughts to think about things that I might want to say 
to get my emotions in check, to know the timeline of how things have played out and, and what's going on and, you know, updates on, on, on DeMar's health and stuff right now. Imagine being there in real time, seconds after something happens and being Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman in the booth, hitting them like a ton of bricks. I thought they did an excellent job. I thought when they would throw it back to the studio on ESPN, I thought Susie Kobler and Adam Schefter were good. I thought Booger McFarland was unbelievable. I mean, he was emotional and you get it. You know, our hearts, our hearts all break. I don't care if you played the game or not. Your hearts break for, for DeMar and his family and seeing somebody go down like that, nearly dead. But I would imagine for a player, it's got to be tenfold. It's got to be so much more, man. Booger McFarland was amazing. Uh, Lisa Salter's on the sideline, man. God, she, she almost lost him and she almost cracked. And who would blame her if she did? I mean, she's on the field. It's one thing to be in the studio. It's one thing to be watching on your television at home. It's even one thing if you're in the cheap seats in the stands while this is going on. But imagine being on that field. On that field when this is happening and having to report on it live in front of millions of people. Lisa Salter, her voice cracked, man, but she was amazing. She was awesome. She, she was real. Holding back tears, doing her job so eloquently. She was amazing. I was, God, so good. So, I mean, it's just, again, an impossible situation. I don't know how I'd be able to do it. I don't know how I'm sitting there talking right now. I, I feel like I don't even know what to say. Again, it's not that I can't keep my emotions in check at this point. I just don't even know what to say. Lisa Salters was amazing. Uh, Another thing, too, and I'll tell you what, me thanking him ain't going to do it enough justice. I am going to be playing a clip in a second, but Scott Van Pelt was incredible, and we all knew he would be. And Ryan Clark, man, I'll tell you, I've, I've always been, I've been a Ryan Clark fan for a couple of years now on ESPN. I think he's, I think he's a great analyst. I really do. I think he's fair. I think he's smart. I think he's passionate. You know, when the time calls for it, I, I think he's pretty funny. He, but man, his emotion, he, I, I got to, I'll tell you what, I, I prepared a clip. It's about five minutes long and I really want you to listen to it. First of all, if you, if you somehow have missed him speak on what happened to Demar Hamlin, you really need to listen. But even if you have heard, listen again, because it's, it's just so eloquent and, and so well said. Now I mentioned Scott Van Pelt because Ryan Clark was with him for the entirety of that show. But this is actually a clip from when SportsCenter continued on after um, Alex Van Pelt signed off. And, and just, you know, I'm talking way too much. So I'm going to play this clip and, and I want you guys to really, I want you guys to really listen and, and decipher it. Here it is. Here's Ryan Clark just a short time after uh, the DeMar Hamlin tragedy. Was no more playing again tonight, Eve. There, there, there was no more next play. Because for DeMar Hamlin, there may not ever be a next play. For DeMar Hamlin, they may not ever be another breath. These men tonight, in all their years of football, saw something they had never seen. And I heard Lisa Salters talk about what they had to witness. Everybody is going through this right now. DeMar Hamlin's mother, Nina, had to come down out of the stands and ride to the hospital with her baby. Yeah, I know he's 24 years old, but it's never going to change what he means to her. 
This is about a brother. This is about a son. This is about a cousin. This is about a homeboy. This is about a teammate. This isn't about a football player. The lives of DeMar Hamlin and his family, the lives of the Buffalo Bills, the lives of the Cincinnati Bengals are forever changed tonight in a split second. That's how fast it can happen. And so something that you've always wanted to do your entire life, something that you've loved, something that you said to everybody around you, I would give anything to have this. We saw DeMar Hamlin do that. And all I can say, looking at the faces of all those players, thinking about my reaction, listening to you even try to answer or how trying to pose this question to me, Eves, is that we were not ready for this. We were not prepared for this. When you decided to prepare for this show and talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and talk about the Buffalo Bills, you were ready to talk about Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. You were ready to talk about these great defenses. You were not ready to talk about a 24-year-old young man possibly losing his life. And I said this on the phone tonight in my room, talking to Marcus Spears. I said at 24, I didn't even know I could die. And this young man is faced with that, playing a game he loves. Ease, we're, ease, we're, we're not emotionally equipped to handle this, right? Like, like we're, we're struggling to do a job talking about what happened to DeMar Hamlin tonight. And so imagine being his teammate. Imagine spending more time with DeMar Hamlin than you do your own family. Sean McDermott sees DeMar Hamlin more than he sees his own children, more than he sees his own wife during this time. These are all men that spend time together, growing together, making sure that one another is all right, doing whatever you have to do for your brother. And you are now put in the hopeless position of being absolutely helpless. There is nothing that anyone in a Bills uniform, nothing that anyone in a Bills hat can do to help DeMar Hamlin. And you have to live with that. As a man who has built himself up both emotionally, mentally, physically, to be the baddest dude in the world, whenever asked to be the baddest dude in the world, you have somebody you genuinely love and you can't do anything to help him. You have to watch as he can't even breathe for himself. That's not what we're prepared to deal with, Eves. I've seen ACLs. I've seen broken legs. I've seen dudes' face masks gets, get, get, get cut off their helmets and they get strapped down the tables. And I'm thinking and waiting for the thumbs up because I know if you give me the thumbs up, at least you're okay enough. DeMar Hamlin couldn't do any of those things. And he's 24 years old. He woke up to play a game. For him, this was just about going out and living a dream, right? He started 14 games this year. He didn't think he'd be in this position, but it's all he's ever wanted to do. And you're getting that opportunity on prime time. And, I, and I've played this sport, Ease. All you ever think about is the good stuff. No one ever visualizes the bad. But I've also been laying in the hospital bed when Troy comes to the hospital and just cries with me for two hours because he doesn't know if I'm ever going to get out of that bed. But at least at that point, I could talk to him. I could communicate with him. When Stefan Diggs gets out of the car and he's telling the policeman, I just want to go in and see my friend. I just need to know if he's all right. Unfortunately, he's going to get in there and he's still not going to know that he's all right. He doesn't just get to come out of surgery for his shoulder and be okay. Like, that, that's not what we wake up to do in this game. 
That, that, that's not what we've been conditioned to move on from. And that's evident when Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor meet in the middle of the field or they meet in the tunnel and they say that we can't go do this. They couldn't put these men back out on the field to do something they've been built to do their whole lives because no one should have to deal with what DeMar Hamlin is dealing with tonight. They don't teach us this, Eves. We don't talk about this. We don't converse about this. They're not trying to build us up enough so that this is okay because it's actually not okay. That was Ryan Clark on ESPN just maybe an hour or two after what happened in DeMar. Just unbelievable. What elegance, what class, what perspective without having an opportunity to really sit down and Come up with a lot of thoughts. That was winging it, folks. And I'll tell you what, I have a whole new, I liked Ryan Clark and I got a whole world new of, res- of respect for him right now. Just absolutely amazing by Ryan Clark. So many people have done such a wonderful job covering this. You know, it's funny too. I, of all the places, I'm, I'm not the biggest New York Post fan. All right, I'm just going to throw that out there. But I'll tell you what, man, the New York Post, I think, encapsulated all this the best on Wednesday. They they have a back cover. So if you know anything about the New York Post, it's always a, a story on the front, sports on the cover. The, the, the cover of the New York Post on Wednesday was a picture of DeMar with the word saying America's son. And you know what? That's what it feels like right now. That's what it feels like is going on right now. DeMar Hamlin is America's son. Everybody loves DeMar Hamlin like a son right now. Everybody cares about DeMar Hamlin like they would their own son. And I think it's beautiful. It's a very rare time in this country, which unfortunately is always when something bad happens, but it is what it is. It's a rare time when everyone's united and everyone is hopeful and everybody is out there praying for the best outcome. It's united. Well, you know what? You're never completely united. I, I, I need to be careful saying that. There are a small minority uh, of assholes out there. And I'm just going to say it because there are. And I'll tell you, for me personally, one of my biggest toxic traits is I allow on social media, especially Twitter, I allow haters and I allow trolls to get the better of my emotions. I told you right at the beginning of the show, I'm a very emotional guy. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I have a hard time just letting shit go sometimes when it's not worth it. We're talking from the Jefferson top shootings to politics stuff to COVID, you name it. People will say what they're going to say and get under your skin. And in this case, there's a very small minority of people who are saying T. Higgins gave a dirty hit, which is complete bullshit. But you hear some of that. You got your anti-vaxxers out there saying that DeMar's heart condition is because of being vaccinated. You have people who are saying that the the Bills and the Bengals should have continued to play the football game. I mean, seriously, you got people right now who are supremely concerned about how the the rest of the regular season is going to play out, what the schedule is going to be. But the difference now for me anyway, and hopefully for you guys too, you're not dealing with this shit. The difference for me is in the past where I would engage with anything, like I said, politics, uh, murders, you name it. 
race issues. I I just allow trolls and haters to get the better of me. And I'm going back and forth with them. Not this time, folks. I went on a blocking and muting spree. I probably blocked and muted more people on Twitter in the last 24 to 36 hours than I have in the last four to five years combined. Just not going to let those people get the better of me and get in a, a reaction out of me because it's just complete and other bullshit. But I'll tell you, man, so often uh, we praise people and, and we pray for them and we raise money for their foundations, whatever it may be when it's too late, you know, when they're already gone and it's so sad. That's the best part about all this. God willing, as of right now, at least I can say this right now. Best part, God willing, DeMar's going to wake up, man. Got to wake up. And someday, whether it's soon, whether it takes a while, at some point, hopefully this man is going to wake up and he's going to look and he's going to listen and he's going to feel this love from everybody. He's going he's gonna to feel the energy. He's going to feel those vibes, man. He's going to feel the passion that everybody out there feels for him. And he's going to see these tweets and he's going to see posts on Facebook and he's going to see videos of people. And he's going to look and he's going to see 31 NFL teams having an avatar with his jersey on them that they're praying for him. He's going to look and see that 31 or however many stadiums there are around the NFL all lit up in red and blue for his honor. Signs all over the country, man. God willing, it's not too late. Again, someone you think of Kobe and I think of Michael Jackson and, you know, just great people. And it's just, they're, they're gone too soon and they're gone instantly. And you never got a chance to show them their appreciation until they were gone. God willing, with DeMar, that's not going to be the case. And I'll tell you, man, speaking of beautiful Look what this country is in this world, I should say, has done with this community toy drive. I mean, if you're living under a rock, when DeMar Hamlin woke up on Monday morning before the Bills played the Bengals, he had a GoFundMe page. I don't even know if it was still active, but it raised $2,500. And then I shouldn't downplay that. I mean, even $2 is better than nothing, right? But point being is he had a, a very small GoFundMe aimed for raising money to buy kids toys. <laughs> Excuse me. I'll tell you what. So 2.5 K earlier on Monday, I looked before I finally was able to even attempt to go to bed. It was like two 30 in the morning overnight on Monday. That shit was up over $3 million. And right now, as I speak to you at, well, now it's after midnight. So technically it is uh Thursday. It's 12 5 AM Thursday morning. It's going over $7 million. $7 million. Just incredible. Bill's Mafia is incredible. And I'll tell you what, fans all over the country are, are, are just incredible, man. And I'll tell you, fans of Cincinnati, you have won some respect for life. Fans for life. Bill's Mafia will be behind you. And I said it on Twitter. I know I'm not the only one who feels this way. I want the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. I'm always going to want the Bills to win the Super Bowl. I don't care about the other 31 teams. But I'll say this. If for whatever reason, they fall short and the Bills do not win the Super Bowl, they can't win the Super Bowl, I hope the Cincinnati Bengals do. I truly do. 
And by the way, Wednesday press conference is going on. The Bills, no media availability as of yet. Completely understandable. But other teams have gotten back to doing press conferences. You know, they acknowledge what's going on with DeMar, send their best wishes out to him, and then they get down to business. Well, the Bengals, uh, Zach Taylor, head coach, said a lot of poignant things, kind of revisited a lot of what happened on Monday, and he made it a point to talk about Sean McDermott is the one who said that he just doesn't think that they, he can coach the team. He wants to be at the hospital with his player. What a great fucking leader Sean McDermott is, by the way. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. But anyway, I want to give a lot of credit to the Bengals. I, I think they handled this very classy, um, showed a lot of respect. Their fans were amazing. And speaking of, I'll tell you what, I have a friend. Her name was Jen Sanzone, and she put up a status on Facebook. She doesn't have Twitter. And I, I took a screenshot of it. And basically, she was just talking about things that a lot of fans on TV didn't see. You know what? I'd be remiss. Kind of talking here on the fly. I'm actually going to read this because it's too important to not read. This is from my, my friend Jen. She says, let me tell you what you didn't see on TV. Not one Bills fan or Bengals fan left their seat. The entire stadium was almost silent. The entire Bills team was around the ambulance. Some of this stuff we did see and we do know. The entire Bengals team was down on one knee. Many in my section, Bills fans and Bengals fans, broke out in prayer. I sat and cried with a Bengals fan hugging each other so tight. The teenage Bengals fan in front of me ran to give me more tissues and made sure I didn't need anything else. I saw grown men crying and strangers linking arms. So many Bengals fans circled around all the Bills fans offering support. The shock look of every single fan showed the devastation. The walk out of the stadium was very somber, eerily quiet, and honestly just sad. This is bigger than football. Something so critical, bringing fans of both sides together. Tonight, we were one team, one team praying for Hamlin. Hashtag Hamlin strong. I thought that was beautiful. And again, Jen's a friend of mine, so I took a screenshot and I tweeted it. You know, just trying to get it out there. I have a nice little Twitter following. I was hoping more people would see it because I thought it was really poignant what she said. Well, as I record this, 3.5 million people have seen what Jan Sanzone had to say. 3.5 million people have seen this. And by the way, that's just from me. I've also seen some, a couple of organizations take her words and copy and paste them on their own Facebook. I, I have somebody pointed out, a couple people have done it on Twitter. So I guarantee you five to six million people, maybe more, ha have seen what Jen had to say. But anyway, I just think she encapsulated so well what the feeling was at the time. And, and my point in all this is that the, the Bengals fans were and are amazing, so supportive, so comforting, going to the hospital, having a candle vigil in DeMar's honor, praying for him helping Buffalo people with whatever they needed. It won't be forgotten. I can tell you that right now. What are they, who day nation? Is that what you guys are? Very grateful, man. It was really, really, really good stuff. Um, anyway, just like I said, perspective here, I'm wrapping up. Uh, you know, it's so you're, you're content. I'm a content creator. You, you listen, you're, you're, some of you are casual fans. Some of you are rabid fans. Some of you in the Bills will play like crap. You'll be like, oh, golly shucks, you know. I'm going to get out with my day and make the best of it. Some guys, some girls out there, our, our squad plays like shit, and you pull your hair out of your head and run your head through a wall, and the, the, the sky is falling. It's just the way it is. You know, people are fans at different levels or think of the team differently. Very emotional in some cases. Uh, 
you know, we're all fans here. In some cases, like myself, we're, we're content creators and we praise guys when they, when they play great and we kind of drag them through the mud sometimes when they play like crap. And, and you know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to say it. I, I like to try to keep, keep shit real with you. So I'm going to say it. I think it might've been the drive before. Like the second last play to drive, DeMar got smoked on a play by Hayden Hurst from the Bengals. And God, I was yelling and swearing at my TV. And by the way, we're not going to talk football. No, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) My point is this. You get mad at these guys, you know, some more than others. And I'm not talking about the because for the most part, DeMar's had a very, he's played as good as you could realistically hope somebody stepping in from like a high could do somebody who had no starting experience prior to this season. I, I think for the most part, DeMar's played well, but again, I don't want to get into football talk. At least not today. My point is we, we drag these guys through the mud when, when they don't play well. You know, I do it. A lot of people do it. And, uh, you know, what's going to change from this? I hope for me. Now I'm still going to be an emotional guy. I'm still going to be mad. You know, Gabe Davis, Cole Beasley, Stefan, whoever, they drop a, a pass in their arms. I'm going to get mad. Josh throws a shitty pass. If someone's wide open, I'm probably going to get mad. You know, Dane Jackson gets smoked. I'm probably going to get mad. I'm not going to sit here and be an, uh, unrealistic about how I'm going to be watching and, and, and talking and covering and consuming football in the future. But I'll say this, man. I'm going to make a much more concerted effort to remember during the game, while words are coming out of my mouth, that these are human beings. Because I think that's something that we don't do enough of with these athletes. We don't humanize them enough. And it should not take somebody literally dying and having to be resuscitated on a football field to understand that these are human beings. And sometimes I think we take our criticism too far and a little bit too personal. I know I have, and I'm, I'm ashamed of it. And I hope some content creators, some, some peers out there, maybe are feeling a little bit of the same right now. And certainly some fans who, who think and agree with what some of what we say. So I'm going to make a very uh, concerted and strong effort to, to treat them like human beings and, and criticize fairly, but not go over the top, not get aggressive in my criticisms, you know, treat these guys like they're humans, not like they're robots, man, that, that have no feelings. Last thing, then I'm out. And again, I, we'll talk about this more at length hopefully tomorrow, and it's going to come out because here at the end of the day, hopefully, first and foremost, obviously, let's just hope tomorrow continues. He's had some improvement. It looks encouraging and promising. He's still in critical condition in ICU, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. That's first and foremost, but the business of football is coming. I mean, there's one week left and then the playoffs, and we don't know how it's going to play out yet. We don't know if they're going to resume the Bills-Bengals game. I got a feeling personally they're not going to. I'm just going to screw the Bills from a playoff seeding perspective. Now, again, I really don't think today at this moment the Buffalo Bills give a shit if they're the first seed or the seventh seed. I really don't because that's not what's on their minds right now, nor should it be. But at some point, football is going to mean something. You know, it, it will. And a lot of people are probably wondering from a, from a football perspective, wins and losses, the standings, how it plays out. I think there's two scenarios that could happen. One, they resume the Bills-Bengals game uh, the following week. It's the only op- that's the only option. Bills and Bengals play that makeup game the following Sunday. 
and you push the playoffs back and you can get away with that because the Super Bowl, there's a week off before the Super Bowl. You lose that off week before the Super Bowl. So theoretically and even schematically, you could do that. Or the NFL decides to, to not push back the playoffs. They declare the game a no contest or, uh, or tie, which to be honest with you, a no contest or a tie is quite literally the same thing. So uh, you know, I spent some time figuring out the scenarios where from, from a Buffalo standpoint, if the focus is trying to keep the number one seed, you know, and using scenario one, the Bills-Bengals game is resumed and the playoffs are pushed back a full week. If you're a Bills fan, besides obviously beating New England, I mean, that's got to happen on Sunday. Uh, you should be rooting for one or two, two things to happen over the weekend. A, you want Kansas City to beat the Raiders. Yes, I said that. That was not a mispronunciation. Kansas City to beat the Raiders. And then you want the Bengals to beat the Ravens. Both these. Now, again, this is on the premise that the Bills and the Bengals do end up playing each other again. Okay? So you want both Kansas City and Cincinnati to both win, or you want Kansas City and Cincinnati to both lose. Either both win or both lose. Why? Well, because the Kansas City, if they win, they would eliminate the Bengals from being the number one seed. So the Bengals are out for the number one seed. Kansas City would finish the season with only three losses, and the Bengals already have four. And I'm not counting the Bills game. Meanwhile, the Bengals, they beat the Ravens, so they clinched the AFC North. They're going into, we'll call it a week 19, Bills-Bengals game resumption here. So you got the Bengals who are already division champs and they cannot catch Kansas City for the number one seed. Probably leaves them without much to play for. Now the Bills, conversely, they beat New England and Kansas City wins. So now the Bills got to beat the Bengals. The Bills, conversely, have everything to play for because they got a number one seed to play for. So you could potentially... If the league decides that this game needs to be played for competitive um, fairness, you might have the Bills trying to get the one seed against the Bengals who already won a division. And they can't get the number one seed. They probably don't play their starters. Zach Taylor would certainly have a big decision to make because the upside of playing your starters is if you win and you beat Buffalo, you can move up from the three seed to the two seed. However, is that worth potentially getting Jamar Chase, who's been out injured already this year or Joe Burrow getting one of your key guys hurt for a playoff because you're not going to get a bye no matter what so I personally think in that scenario I think that Cincinnati rests their starters so you want both teams to win or both teams to lose and and, and again it matters that they both win or that they both lose because if Kansas City loses and the Bills win and Cincinnati beats Baltimore and they replay that game now since he's playing for the number one seat so they got everything to play for. So that's why I said it's important for them both to do uh, the same thing. And like I said, the other scenario, if they both lose, that's a little more clear. If Kansas City and the Bengals both lose on Sunday, the Bills beat New England, um, the division's clinched, and, and the Bills-Bengals resume Monday, they would surely rest their starters. Because if the Bills win, Kansas City and Cincinnati both lose. The Bills already clinched the number one seed. That Cincinnati game don't mean anything to them anymore. Now it means something to Cincinnati because they got to win to win their division. So it'll be a flip-flop. Now you got the Bengals playing their starters and you got uh, the Bills surely going to rest theirs because they would already have the top seed clinched in a bye the next week. So that's, again, assuming that they're going to play, but it's starting to feel like indications are that they're not. And again, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds today. Maybe 
We have a podcast on Friday. We'll go over these scenarios a little more in depth. But if the Bills don't play and they call it a no contest or a tie, the big winner is the Kansas City Chiefs, folks. And I'm not going to get angry today because that's not what this is about. This ain't about football. This is a DeMar episode. But Kansas City beats the Raiders. The Bills beat New England and the Bills get a tie, no contest, whatever you want to call it, for the Bengals game. Kansas City's the number one seed. Kansas City's the big winner. The big loser is actually the Baltimore Ravens. Because the Baltimore Ravens could go out and beat Cincy on Sunday. Not likely, but it could happen. But now they're a half game out. They lose the division because Cincinnati gets a, a win, or not a win, it gets a, a, a tie or no contest. So basically, a tie or no contest kind of helps the Bengals and it kind of hurts the Bills. But again, we're going to save that when we know more information. My gut tells me, or at least I think the league should wait and see how Sunday plays out. And then after the games are done on Sunday, figure out how important in terms of playoff seeds and standings that game would be. And then they'll decide if they're going to play it. Uh, Anyway, that's all I, I, I really, like I said, it's, it's hard to even talk about football right now with everything that's going on. But I thank you so much. And, you know, I looking back here, I should have probably written down more notes and, and things to get to. I'm kind of going off the top of my head. It's just been a, a very uh, draining, very draining week for, for me, for you, for everybody. Um, I do appreciate you tuning in. And... Hopefully Aaron Queen gets better. I get him back next Friday for um, for Casual Friday. But like I said, nothing else just matters right now except Demar Hamlin. Keep praying. Hopefully I will be back on Friday, and hopefully we will have a positive update. And if I do a show on Friday, I can tell you this right now: it's taking every ounce of me to be able to blab on by myself for for this long. If there's going to be a show Friday. There'll definitely be a guest. So thank you very much, guys. Stay safe and. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.